Good morning, church. Good morning. It is a blessing to be here, a sinner saved by grace. I'm thankful to be before you guys this morning. Um, our text this morning, if you would open your Bibles with me or turn on your device, to the book of Acts. We're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. And often this has been called the Acts of the, the, Acts of the Apostles, or we can call this the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to see that specifically. So Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. As we go through this today, this morning, I'm going to ask you to do kind of three things as we study this text. One, examine our hearts towards missions. We want to uh, know where we stand and, and, and how we can move closer to God's plan for us. We want to allow God's word as we hear God's word to penetrate our hearts and to change us. And we want to prayerfully consider how God wants to use us in his mission. So think about those things as we examine God's word. Acts chapter 13 Verses 1 through 4. Let me read that for us here this morning. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have, I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God in, in heaven, we, we bless your name this morning, and we do pray, God, your will be done here within our midst as it is done in heaven, Lord. Lord, move in your people here this morning. Move in those who do not know you. Move them near to you, and Lord, move your believers near to your desire for us. And God, as we look at your word and your desire for the nations to come to know you, help us, Lord, to see our role, our part, our piece of that plan, God, that we may be obedient and respond accordingly, Lord. We, we pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, when Rhonda and I got married, um, at the time we were married, we got married later in life, and we both owned homes. I had a home over in Cincinnati. She had a home here in Burlington. And, uh, but we had made the decision we were going to live in our home over here in Burlington. That was the decision we had made, which meant we had to do something with that house in Cincinnati. I had this house, and it was, it was really, um, it was re- wouldn't have been really fitting for us where we were going. So we decided we were going to rent it out. We were going to become landlords. And uh, I don't know about you, if you've been a landlord before, we decided that um, after a little bit of time, not a whole lot of time, I mean, we, we signed a one-year lease with a couple, and nine months in, we said, you know, we're going to sell the house. Sorry. That's what we're going to do. Uh, so we decided we weren't going to do that. We weren't going to do landlord. We decided to contact a realtor in order to sell the house. We set forth to do that, and in the midst of doing that, something else happened. Miraculously, God blessed us with two little girls. So we had Hannah and Kinley. So now we had not only two houses to deal with, now we had a life moving forward with two children. As we had the house out for sale, very little activity happened in the house. It seemed a bit discouraging to us. And, um, and, it, and one thing to note about the realtor, and this is important to the story, is that he sold real estate on a, as a part-time job. He had a full-time job. I went to his home or his workplace to sign paperwork. So he had a full-time job and part-time sold real estate. 
But no knock on him. He was doing his best to sell, but we just really didn't feel like that was the the best plan. So in July of 2013, we sought out a new realtor. I went through the Christian Blue Pages, and I found a gentleman, Steve Owens, and we contacted him to sell our home. And as he went about selling our home, we had a a new decision, different decision in our lives. And it was like, what are we going to do going forward with our children as they grow? Should Rhonda stay home? Should we have, should we both work? Should we do daycare? She had a career as a, as a pharmacist at Cincinnati Children's. I had my career at Shepherd Chemical. What should we do? Should we continue forward with uh, everybody working or should she stay home? And we really, as through some prayer, we really felt like the Lord was leading us uh, to have Rhonda stay home with our girls. That's where we felt the Lord was leading us. So we decided to follow the Lord's leading, and we were going to do that. We were going to have her stay home on one condition. We got the house sold first. So she could not stop work until we had the house sold. So we had followed the Lord's leading, and we had put a condition on the Lord, which you'll find I've done that before and too many times, and, and he seems to show me wrong each time. So long story short, not much activity on the house for more than a year still more than a year, and it was very discouraging. So we started in July of 2013 with Steve as our realtor. In September of 2014, more than a year later, he sent me this email. It said, trust me, I pray and fast once a week for the right buyer for your home. My trust is in God, and I know yours is too. That's my realtor. I was, I was like, I'm pumped. That's my guy. He was recommending we lower the price of the house. We resisted. Um, December 31st, though, that year, 2014, Rhonda did stop work. We hadn't sold the house, and she, and she stopped work. Well, you can imagine we were very stressed. We didn't know financially if we could handle this. We did a lot of prayer. She was reading Matthew 6 regularly that God was going to provide. We didn't know what to do. We, we, well, if you know us, we had spreadsheets of bills and see how we would, how we would arrange the payments, but we really didn't, have, didn't know financially how God was going to work this thing out for us. But interestingly enough, we stopped on December 31st, 2014. February 9th, 2015, we got an offer. March 17th, 2015, the house was sold. It's almost two years of, of waiting for this house to be sold, yet in a short amount of time after giving up a little bit, we said, you know, it, it happened. So what really happened in there was that God responded to us when we abandoned our strategy. So we, we had a strategy and plan. And we adopted his. We, we, we had prayed, and, and Steve was fasting, and we still had conditions. And when we released those, God showed up in a mighty way. We had given him free reign on our lives and taken, up, taken away the constraints that we had placed on him. In the same way, our text today, we're going to see how God will advance his kingdom. When we adopt his plan and his strategy, for reaching the nations. We know when we take on his mission, the mission that we are all very familiar with, the Matthew 8 or 28 Great Commission, to go therefore to the nations, baptize and teaching. Nowhere in there is in, if you got enough time, <laughs> or if all these other things happen in place. So there's a simple mission God has given to us, to all of us. And today in our text, we're going to see what happens when God, when we follow God's mission. So let's start. First, we're going to see that the church, that's us and the church, is passionate for the mission of Christ. The church is passionate for the mission of Christ. In verses 1 and 2, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. 
And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now it's interesting here, we need to uh, get to the bottom of this church in Antioch, if those who are Paul Harvey fans, let's get the rest of the story. And if you're in your Bible, for me, it's on the other page, but let's flip back to Acts chapter 11, and we're going to get a picture of the church, the early church, and then specifically the church in Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19, Luke writes, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists and also preached the Lord Jesus. So there was a scattering of the body of Christ. Prior to the scattering, we know that the church was used to experiencing the movement of the Holy Spirit. They had seen the Holy Spirit at Pentecost come down on the apostles. We see shortly thereafter thousands come. Scripture tells us thousands. There were many who came to know Christ. Thousands in the early church they had come. Stephen proclaims boldly the word of the Lord. And he is stoned and killed. They know that the, the church scattered, was still was, was scattered, but they had come, become used to and expectant to see the Holy Spirit, and they had seen the church grow. I can only imagine the excitement of the early church. But interesting, look, look here what it says. They spoke to only Jews. They had gone out, they had been scattered because of the persecution, and they went and they were sharing only with the Jews. Well, Peter, at some point, right before this part of our story, Peter meets Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile. He shares with Cornelius' family, and his family comes to faith. The church finds out about this, that the Gentiles are coming to faith. That's before this, and they're still sharing just with the Jews. But interestingly, it says, and the hand of the Lord was on those who had gone from Cyprus and Cyrene. The hand of the Lord was on them. And a great number believed. So those who from Cyprus and Cyrene who had gone and spoke to the Hellenists, which are the Gentiles, they had seen many come to faith in Antioch. So the church in Antioch is a church that is founded on those who had gone somewhat outside of what others thought the plan was, that we would only talk to Jews. They had gone outside. They had spoke to the Gentiles. They had shared the gospel with the Gentiles, and they saw the church grow. After that, in verse 22 in chapter 11, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. This is Antioch and and, and Barnabas is there now seeing this firsthand, this church growing. This is our church in Antioch. And he gets so excited, he says, what happens next? So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He went to go get some help. The, the gladness of heart that Barnabas saw and Saul had there in Antioch, as Antioch as the church grew, when Saul comes and joins him, it finishes with, and when he had found Saul, he brought them to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. 
Paul and Barnabas are at the church in Antioch, and they're teaching, and they're seeing people come to faith. So the church in Antioch is, is excited. There's a fervor. There's, there's, there's gladness of heart. There's, they're being taught. And, and we, we see at the beginning of our text this morning in chapter 13, there are apostles and prophets there, and there are leaders in the church there. They are encouraged. Notice in that list, there's Lucius of Cyrene. Lucius of Cyrene, we heard earlier, it was those from Cyrene and Cyprus who had shared the gospel with the Gentiles. We see Lucius of Cyrene there taking in what, the, what God has done as they had preached to the, to the Gentiles. We see in our text that the church, now they were in the church, the prophets, and what were they doing? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The, the Greek there, and, and we won't get too much into the Greek this morning, but the Greek there is liturgio, which is our liturgy. where we get, so they're, they're worshiping the Lord. They're having a public service. But there's a word that really defines the heart condition of the church at that time. They were worshiping and they were fasting. Now, fasting was not a, a regular part of their worship, was not a regular part of their service. Fasting was occasional. But fasting, as they abstain from food, it shows, a, it displays really an intensity of our, of our heart's desire for what it is that we are fasting for. The occasion leads us to plead to God in a way in which I now am not taking in food. I am emptying myself. The word for fasting there is nusteo. Nusteo has this, this sense of on an empty stomach. I'm emptying myself, and there's a simple thing that can fill me, and we know that is the Lord. I like how John Piper talks about fasting. He writes, the aim of fasting is that we come to rely less on food and more on God. That's the meaning of the words in Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every time we fast, we are saying with Jesus, not by bread alone, but by you, Lord. Not by bread alone, but by you. We are pursuing. The church is fasting. They are pursuing not the bread that comes to fill their bellies, but the bread that fills our lives. They are looking for a movement of the Lord. We see this elsewhere in Scripture. I love the Psalms. Psalms are great for measuring our heart condition. Psalm 63, it reads, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Man, that's beautiful. Thus is the heart cry of the church. The fervent prayer of the church. The church is hungering and thirsting for a movement of God. And they then choose, and we'll see this here, they choose to commit their way to the Lord. Psalm 37, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Is this the heart cry of our church? Is this the heart cry of the people in this room? Is it the heart cry for those who are at home? Is it the heart cry of God's church? That we would see a movement of God. Because it says if we commit our ways to him, if we commit and trust in him, he will act. And that leads me to our second point. Verse 3. It says we will, read that, we will see that the Holy Spirit appoints missionaries to the nation. The Holy Spirit appoints missionaries to the nations. Now, it's kind of like being in a room, you've been in a room where someone's been on the phone and you really can't tell what the conversation's about. Like I said, I said the fasting was occasional. We were really trying to figure out, well, what is, what is it they're fasting for? What is the occasion for which they are fasting? And we don't know because we're not getting the full conversation, but we can hear something on their side. 
we hear the Holy Spirit speaks to the church. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. We're not sure what that whole conversation was, but we do know what, how the Holy Spirit responded, and we can discern what the plea was. They're seeking a movement of the Holy Spirit to do what has been done for them in the nations. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Paul, Saul, and Barnabas. Now this call by the Holy Spirit is three things. It is personal, it is specific, and it is certain. So the personal call, we can tell, he's saying, set apart for me to the work to which I have called them. God is calling out Saul and Barnabas. There's a personal nature to the call. There's a specific who, Saul and Barnabas, there's a specific what to the work to which I have called them. We know that God has set apart works for each one of us. Ephesians tells us, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, there's a specific work to which the Holy Spirit is calling out specific individuals to go to the nations. And he's making it clear to the church in Antioch that is what Saul and Barnabas are to do. I also said that the call is certain. God has prepared a work beforehand for us. Saul, later on, Saul knows that he was called out prior to that. He writes to the church in Galatia. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by this, his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul later knows that he was called for this specific work prior to his birth. And God had called him for that. Jeremiah is the same way. Jeremiah says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So make no mistake that this call is specific. It is personal. It is certain. In fact, in my own life, uh, I have a friend who, um, his name is Eric. I'll leave it at that. Eric uh, told the Lord, I am not a missionary. That's a very specific thing to tell the Lord. And right now he's in Africa after being sent uh, by the International Mission Board. Uh, so I guess he was wrong. Now, I, I can't poke fun at others without letting, being full disclosure. I, too, told the Lord something specific. And, in fact, I told my wife, we won't be going to South America. I don't think the Lord would call us to South America. Doesn't sound like a good idea, so that's not what he's doing. And, lo and behold, the Lord has led us to where he has led us. There's a personal, specific call that God gives to those who are sin that, that he desires to go to the nations. Are we praying for that as a church? And are we listening for the word of the Spirit to move in us, to, to move us in that direction? For God has called people beforehand to certain works, and he has called specific people to go to the nations. So we are at a place where the church has been passionate about the mission of Christ. The Holy Spirit has appointed missionaries to the nations. Well, what follows is the church sends missionaries to the nations. The church sends missionaries to the nations. So in verse 4, 
It says that then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. A very simple verse. They prayed and they fasted again. As they pray and fast, they're praying now over, over Saul and Barnabas. They're praying, they're displaying a dependence, a need for, a trusting in God and his work. The obedient act of sending is a cooperation between the church and the Holy Spirit. God allows. I'm, I'm fond of saying that God could pluck up anyone he wants right now for himself. Yet in his great generosity and grace, he allows us to take part in the work he's doing to redeem a people to himself. He lets us take part in that. And it is an obedient act by the church to send out. Now let's recall that this church again was founded on men who were proclaiming the word of the Lord to the Gentiles. They had seen firsthand the results of what we know to be true, and that is that the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe, and even the Jews and the Gentiles. We know that to be true. What we know and that church had experienced, they had put all their cards on the table. We're going to be obedient and follow God as he leads us. The question we have for ourselves, is that our experience? Have we experienced the power of the Holy Spirit moving and the knowledge of the fact that when the gospel hits ears, it will penetrate hearts, it will change lives, and it will lead to salvation just if they would get there? So with the expectation that they had, the church joins the Holy Spirit in sending missionaries. And I don't want to take this lightly because I think as any church or any organization would know, Saul and Barnabas were important to Antioch. They were listed among those at the beginning that this is an important, important two, two individuals. Barnabas and Saul were respected teachers and leaders in the church. No, no doubt they had, they had positions there. there was, in Antioch, they needed them, but yet the Lord was calling them to send them. Kind of like our real estate agent was the one who helped sell our home. The Lord, the church acts as the Lord's agent for sending. In our lives, uh, as we started our process with the IMB, the first uh, approval, the first interview we had was here at the church with Brother Sean. We were to get our church's approval. This is not a, we are not lone rangers. We are not out on our own. We are going and the church is sending. We met for quite some time. In fact, there were some challenging questions that caused us to, re to, to think about, man, what is this endeavor that we are doing and we know that we cannot do on our own? We can only do what the Spirit's leading. But we knew, and, I, and, and the church knows, as the words of Scripture tell us, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call who, in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in whom they have never heard? How are they to hear unless someone preaches? How are they to preach unless someone is sent? The church sends. The Holy Spirit appoints in the church in cooperation with the Holy Spirit sends. Let us, let's keep that in mind. That's not a light task. But are our eyes open to see, or are, are we as a church examining one another for giftedness and, and how God might use us for his great mission? 
So the church is passionate for the mission of Christ. The Holy Spirit appoints missionaries to the nations. The church sends missionaries to the nations. And lastly, my fourth point, missionaries go to the nations. And in, in my text, there's a kind of a segment next after the verses 1 through 3, verse 4, starts another segment, but it really seems for me to, to finish a piece, uh, a, a flow that, that, that God has laid out for us that the church sends, but that means someone's going, and missionaries are going. So the text tells us, it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And note the beginning of that, that text, it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, we know that we go with the Spirit. The Spirit is what uh, enables us, it empowers us, it guides us as we go. We don't do this of our own power, our own volition, our own effort. We do this with the Holy Spirit working through us. Paul even recognized this as he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.12. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Him who, him who has given me strength. The Holy Spirit, God, is the power by which we go. And we respond obediently to that call. You know, the thinking through how a, a church would send. I, I went several times on missions work outside of the church, been going, sent through a, a, a different agency. And I, and I recall thinking to myself as I transitioned to the work here that our church was doing in London, that became very clear to me that God had appointed his church to send out his people to share his gospel with the nations. And that there are brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world who do not yet know they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yet God knows that. As I close this, this, this morning, I want us to think of, as we examine this text or take this text into our hearts, let us, one, be passionate for the mission of Christ. Jesus tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. May we receive these words, and may that be our prayer, that God would send out laborers into his harvest. And we know that there is going to be growth. God gives the growth. We are simply to go out and work his field. Let that be our prayer. May our heart's desire be that the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters fill the sea. I love that. That was one of my, one of our, my seminary professors used that. And I had to, had, to, had to go look and find out where that was. And Habakkuk writes that. And how beautiful a picture is that, that, that that is, that the knowledge of the glory of God would, be, would fill the earth in the same way as the water fills the sea. There's no empty space in the sea. Water fills it completely. May the knowledge of the glory of God be that way in all the earth. Next, may we be a church that actively prays. So let us pray with expectation that God will raise up from our midst people to go to the nations. Not only do we acknowledge that there are people that will go, let us pray that there will be people, not just anyone, but let us pray that the Lord will raise up 
workers for his field from within our midst. May we also be a church that sends, and I'm thankful this morning for the church that I have as I talk with other people who are going to the mission field. I love to brag on my church because my church has shown such great love and care for my family and encouragement as we go. Also, correction or challenge or what I need and what my wife needs and what our family needs that we may grow in Christ as we go. May we send, but let us not just send, but let us send and continuously pray for those who are serving. I get the opportunity now as I meet missionaries or meet people who are going to the field to be able to pray for them. I pray for my brother who is in in Africa right now. I pray for our friends who are going all over the world. I pray for our friends who can't get to the world right now because their countries aren't open. I pray for them. Let us be a church that continuously prays for those who will go out from our midst and those who will go out for the sake of the glory of God and the spread of the gospel. And I wouldn't be complete without speaking to that brother or sister here who's wondering, is God calling me? There's a as, as our friend Eric said, I'm not a missionary. It was a kind of a wake up in the middle of the night just kind of thinking about and like, no, Lord, I, know, I don't think you're calling me. I, I'm not a missionary. I'm not the one. And to that brother or sister in Christ who is saying, is God calling me? Some advice from, from me because as God calls us and calls not just me and my wife, but our entire family to go, pursue God with, and I can't find a strong enough word, with fervor, with enthusiasm, with eagerness. Pursue God and he will direct your steps. Don't forget to seek guidance. From the, come and talk to us within the church. Come and talk to our church leadership. But our church is the sending agent for God. Do not miss out on that, that opportunity to grow in your faith and have your church pour into you as you get ready to go. And lastly, be willing to go wherever God leads. I was uh, reminded this week, I can't really talk about where he's going, but I had a brother that, uh, that we've been exchanging messages, and this is an unusual circumstance, but it humbles me tremendously to know that he's going, and he doesn't know where he's going yet. His country got closed. The team he's with is going to send him. They have secured a role for him in the nations. He yet does not know where he's going to go. It humbles me to no end to know that that step, that, that step in faith and trust and dependence on God, he has a job secured, yet he does not. Be willing to go where God sends you. God can and will use all of us for the sake of his glory, for the advance of his kingdom. And that means there are some that will go to the nations and some that will not. Let us pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out those into the nations. But there was a, a quote from Paul Chitwood, the president of the International Mission Board, I think that sums it up on our role and all of us and our contribution He said, the missionary call, while it is unique for those who vocationally go and invest their lives overseas long term, ultimately all of us in the sense that we all have the opportunity and obligation to ensure that the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. We have an opportunity and an obligation to see to it that the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. Let us take the call that Christ has given to all of us very seriously. Let us pray that he will send out from amidst those who will go to the nations. Let us be a church that is fully in, fully engaged, and prepared to do what God calls us to do to advance his kingdom around the world. Because he is calling, 
May we hear the call. May we send. May we pray. It is our responsibility, all of us take part in getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me pray for us this morning as I close. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, that you let us take part in the work that you are doing to redeem a people to yourself. It is, it is, it is humbling. It is, uh, I, I don't, uh, at times, no, Lord, why you have chosen a, a sinner like myself to, to serve you in the way that you have. And, Lord, your plan and your purpose is perfect. And, God, may I just be obedient to follow your will, Lord. Your will be done, not mine. As a church, Lord, may we be obedient to pray for those to go out from our midst. May we be obedient to send those from us, Lord. May those who are called hear your call, hear your call clearly, Lord, and may they go. Lord, you are calling people from every tribe, nation, tongue to yourself for your glory. And Lord, may we go to every tribe, tongue, and nation. God, may we go and do our part, Lord, in advance of your kingdom. We pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, each one of us. We pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit in our church. God, our, our hearts desire, and we are hungry for you, Lord. Please fill us. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.